Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that you all know everything there is to know about not infecting your entire team with the plague. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rachel, your extremely pissed off baseball guru, and this is... I'm Nancy, your uh, basketball enthusiast. I am Rebecca, your... Uh, pleasantly surprised hockey person. <laughs> well, how nice for Hold both of you, Rebecca. I know, close to your heart. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to hold back some feelings for a little bit. See how this goes. Uh, Pace yourself. Whew, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. Well, since uh, the women's soccer league has just recently wrapped up their. Um, challenge cup uh nancy why don't you tell us how that went it went shockingly well um it actually was super terrific um i watched a bunch of the games including the final and i really really had a good time with it um and it was really interesting and it was really well done and it went for a month and nobody got the plague which is remarkable that's amazing Yeah, so not only did women's sports come back first, which let me tell you how annoyed I have been all the past couple, like, week or two, where everybody's like, sports are back! Sports have fucking been back, y'all. Like, they've Mm -hmm. been back (laughs) since the end of June. Y'all just weren't paying attention. Um, Anyway, uh, it was terrific. All eight teams that went uh, competed. Uh, There were a few, you know, injuries that may have been related to, like, a short sort of warm-up period before being able to play games, but sure. But that's kind of to be expected in a situation like this. Um, the Houston right. Dash won, um, but overall, the uh, National Women's Soccer League really came out of it successfully. So not only did all eight teams compete and play, you know, to, to the end of, you know, whether obviously only two played in the final, but like... They all played out. Nobody had to drop out or anything like that, right? Um, (laughs) No COVID cases among the staff, no COVID cases among players, none of that. Um, That's amazing. They also added some sponsors, which is a big deal for women's sports. Oh, wow. Wow. Big corporate sponsors, uh, including Secret and Budweiser and Google. Um, So feel free to go indulge in So a few uh, small businesses... (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, but I mean, that's the thing is historically, it's actually hard to get, you know, big corporations to endorse women's sports. So this is actually terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's I mean, they've certainly got the money to spend. Right, exactly. Um, so that was really big. And they got record numbers of viewers, which I think we talked a little bit about how, uh, you know, one of the really big deals was that uh it was on legit mainstream channels, um, especially mm-hmm. the opener and the final were both on CBS with no qualifiers, not CBS sports, not CBS all access, not CBS, whatever, actual just CBS. CBS right? original recipe. <laughs> right, exactly. Unadulterated CBS. <laughs> um, and so they, uh, the previously they had only been shown like the biggest channel they'd been shown on was ESPN and it had about 150,000 viewers for the, I want to say the 2019 or 
2019 final. What the hell year is it anyway? Um, and, but then for the opener on CBS, they had like, I want to say 550,000 viewers. And for the final, they added another 14% and had 600 and some thousand viewers. Yeah. Which is. Wow. So Nancy, I actually just pulled those numbers up while you were talking. Tell us what they were. (laughs) So before this year, the recorded average audience for a game was. No, the recorded highest audience for a game was 190,000 for okay. a regular season game in 2014. The opener this season was um Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. The final this season was 653,000. Yeah. Wow. So that's orders that's of magnitude larger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's a combination of they were the first to come back and also they have been experiencing success like before this year, last year was, I think, one of their most viewed seasons. Like they've been building on this as well. But then also it just goes to show you what like putting something on a main channel will do. You know, yeah, on, people on actually TV, watch it. People and will watch it. According to sportspromedia.com, um, the biggest audience mm-hmm. for men's major league soccer is 587,000. During their regular season. Ha! Nice. Suck it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, So that's... And the whole... Terrific. um, Yeah. And that's also with one of the teams having not been able to play, um, the Orlando Pride. And in fact, I was was (sighs) hearing that they're one of the... Sorry, Rachel. One of the, uh, (laughs) like, bigger, like, better followed teams so conceivably if the pride had been in there even would have been a higher readership or a readership viewership (laughs) which would have been impressive and also uh they partnered with twitch and were streaming on twitch in uh you know so that folks not in the u.s could watch and had something like ten thousand viewers there as well that's amazing yeah so so that was all just like an unmitigated success um and there, and you can look this up too, Rebecca, while you're Googling away over there, but uh, the the head of the National Women's Soccer League took her job. Her last name is Baird. I don't remember her first name. She took the job, I think, the day before sports shut down was her first day. Ooh. Which, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right? Wow. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. She uh-huh. was named the commissioner of NWSL on March 10th. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whoever is the former commissioner was drinking Mai Tais <laughs> and doing the limbo. Right. Seriously, on Lisa the beach Baird. Yeah, Lisa Baird, that's it. So she took it over, and I have to say, like, credit to her because she had no time <laughs> to sit around and, like, gather her thoughts about <laughs> how this, nope. you know, paint her toenails and, and nope. think about what to do, right? So she, uh, I was reading a, a, a really terrific article by Meg Linehan on The Athletic about all of this. It was talking about the success of the WNSL, NWSL. Acronyms are hard for me. Um, <laughs> and, and everything that they did right and talked a lot about how uh, Lisa Baird really just kind of made decisions and got moving, you know? And said, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. And didn't really wait to see what other teams were going to do, what other sports were going to do. Um, 
and apparently made real good decisions. So congrats, Lisa Perrig. So uh, our hats are off to you. I have two things. First, yes. apparently she was also, she worked for three years as the um, NFL's senior VP of marketing and licensing. Um, and she okay. uh, expanded their their licensing business with deals with Nike, Under Armour, and Fanatics. So that's that's huge. Nice. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's big stuff. That is huge. Also, uh, as somebody working in higher education, which is full of people who are doing the wait and see what other people are doing during a pandemic and the <laughs> students and shit, How's I can tell you that's, out? oh, it's not good. It's not the way to go. So uh, <laughs> frankly, I love the fact that she just kind of came in and was like, okay, this is how we're going to handle it. Because the waiting mm-hmm. and seeing is not working. It's almost yeah. like having some kind of strong central leadership would be advantageous <laughs> what? in a situation like this. <laughs> are I you, know. Are we sure that's the message wow. here? <laughs> I, maybe. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stake my reputation on it, but... Decisive decision-making based on input <laughs> from experts. I mean, I'm going out on a limb here. Perhaps but, also but I, there's it, women making the decisions. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be a fluke. <laughs> it's just a one-off. <laughs> We've lost Rachel. <laughs> Sob it all out there, Rachel. Take it all in. So, but but back to soccer. Uh, there was some other really terrific news uh, coming right on the end of this, which was that we had known for a little while that there was going to be the addition of an expansion team in Louisville. Um, the racing Louisville is what they're called. And I have to say they've got a, an excellent logo and a very nice uh, color set, even if their name is kind of dumb as hell. The racing um, Louisville? Yeah. Racing Louisville. Yeah. Right. So like, I mean, I guess because it's where the Kentucky Derby is. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I still think they got the Houston Dash. So like, yeah, you need it. There are so many more abstract nouns out there that could be. I know. Used. I know. They could have called them They're the really Derby. Really yeah. Uh, that gets into comparing women to horses. I don't know about that one. Oh, okay, fair. That's, yeah. that's right up there with the, uh, what is it, the WHL team, the Whale, which is also a real now, questionable see, now, choice. <laughs> we've talked about this before, and the fact that it's Whale singular, singular makes it whale. entirely acceptable to me. <laughs> it's not as if the individual women are whales, it's that they are collectively, collectively a whale. A whale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got me halfway on that one. I, I will entertain the argument, but I'm still not sold. But anyway, so so Racing Louisville is joining in the in the 2021 season, and then they also made an announcement uh, that in 2022 there's going to be an LA team, which is very exciting uh, as a Californian. Um, and it's going to be—I don't think they've officially confirmed the name yet, but uh, I think that they're throwing out their Angel City, um, which eh, eh, okay, yeah. it's fine, whatever. Um, but the ownership group is the remarkable thing there. It's like a who's who of Hollywood female celebrities and women's sports celebrities headed up by fucking Natalie Portman herself, who I stand. Um, so, and interestingly, uh, the husband of it's either Serena or Venus Williams. I think it's Serena, uh, because apparently, and this is, so this is one of those stories that is like, a double-edged sword, right? So apparently 
their daughter, uh, Olympia, who is like about two, was watching soccer and really enjoying it and kicking a soccer ball around and, you know, declared that she wants to play soccer. And he was all for it. I mean, he's married to Serena Williams. Obviously, he supports women in sports, like, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So he said, you know, oh, this is great when you, you know, in 18 years, she can, you know, play in the National Women's Soccer League. And Serena apparently turned around and without missing a beat and said, only if they pay her. (laughs) (laughs) And so then he kind of went, oh, shit, yeah, that's, uh, okay, well, we've got 18 years to work on improving all of this. (laughs) (laughs) So on the one hand... It's like, okay, you know, good for you, buddy. He's like an, an entrepreneur professional guy, right? Like, this is what he does. He buys things and makes them make money, I guess. Um, so, so he was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, work with these. And it's not just him. He's not the head of the ownership group, but he's in it um, to, to make this team and to work on improving the, the National Women's Soccer League's, you know, profile and women's sports generally. It's terrific. It's heartwarming. Like, good for him. Also, how tired are we of men having to have a daughter to be like, oh, we should do something mm-hmm. about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad he's doing it. I'm glad he's, you know, using his powers for good. Seems seems great. But also, like, could have done this, you know, a couple of years back. Yes. Yes. Well, and also, I mean, for anybody out there, for, you know, our seven listeners and a shoelace, um, (laughs) it'll be nice when women can be valued as people and not in their relation to somebody else. Yep. 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 So So if you are a woman listening to this podcast, we value you as an individual. As a human. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But so last last note on that. Apparently, Olympia Williams is a member of the ownership group. She is the youngest member of any sports ownership group ever. She's two. Oh my god! <laughs> Should let her draw the right? logo. Oh, that would be so cute. I know, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, but seriously, if you look up like the list of, it was amazing hearing them talk about it. I think it was announced on the day of the of the final game, um, and. Who's just like you're like oh and her and her and her and also her and her I know wife those names. and okay uh huh yeah it was intense so the final was really fun it was almost kind of a disaster because uh, the dash scored on a penalty kick in the first I want to say in the first two minutes but it might have been the first five minutes and then that was the only goal for a really long time and I was so worried that the other team was gonna lose based off a penalty kick and I was like man it always sucks to be a goalie but think about how much that would suck if you lost the game because you didn't prevent the team's penalty kick in the first five minutes like that just seems terrible so then fortunately slash unfortunately the dash did then score another goal eventually and i was like okay well at least at least they would have well lost again that's because the goalie anyway. was way far out of the, the goal was. well not for the penalty kick but the second one yeah yeah the yeah. second yeah the second goal you're right you're right so yeah so it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it i am super into uh 
soccer now. I had a really good time. I can't wait till it comes back in 2021. I will watch. Yeah, it and the whole also. tournament was pretty interesting because all the lower seeded teams beat the higher seeded teams mm-hmm. in every bracket. Oh, wow! Yeah, I think it was all but one actually. I, th- I oh, think four okay. did beat five. Oh, okay. But yeah, eight beat one, seven. Yep, beat your two, thorns beat my beat courage. Three. Yep, it's true. They did. They did. So that was tremendous uh, as well. So it was like a really interesting match as well. It wasn't just like, okay, and last year's champion cruises to the top again. You know, it was like actually really engaging. Um, yeah, the Dash so hadn't yeah, it won was, a championship it was, before, had they? No, they never had. They were perennial underdogs. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they pulled it out. And they did a good job, too. It was not like a fluke either. Like, they really, they really, that was the, the thing I was watching them and in the first half, the, t- the two teams in the final were, like, pretty closely matched. Um, but then the second half, the dash were just running them down. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, this is this is fair. Yeah, yeah Chicago. Team. It was Chicago, right? The Red Stars were the other team? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, they were running yeah. out of steam. It was pretty clear to they were. see. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It was a good time was had by all, I think. Um, So having Budweiser as a sponsor was particularly hilarious because then, of course, they were all drinking Budweiser out of the actual challenge cup, which is like a big glass, basically. Uh (laughs) So they like promptly filled it with Budweiser. And the uh, I think she's the captain of the Houston Dashes, this girl, Rachel Daly, um, who's a Brit, and she's exceedingly good. (laughs) <laughs> doing interviews with her and like her teammates afterward and you know they've given them all these like bottles of Budweiser because it's the, you know the corporate sponsor and so all of these athletes who have just run for 90 minutes in the sun are like now downing these Budweiser's and Rachel Daly at one point was two-fisting it, <laughs> it was just like during an interview mm-hmm. you could just like you could tell she was just done she was like just pour the beer straight in my mouth well we're good we're good we're celebrating now it was pretty funny love so, it congrats to the dash they did good that's uh, they, awesome they deserved the win it was well done yeah yeah all right well that's uh about wraps it up for women's soccer um okay so now i'm gonna take a deep breath Okay. You can do it. I have an unwritten rule of baseball for you. Mm. All right. For this one, I'm going to take on one that should be written down, but apparently <laughs> isn't. And that is, don't infect your entire team with the plague. <laughs> I want you to picture a nation in crisis. <laughs> A highly infectious disease has spread across the planet, sparing few, if any, countries. The good old U.S. of A. is struggling to contain multiple outbreaks, and responsible citizens have taken to donning masks to prevent the spread. Not even the national pastime of baseball has been spared, and the powers that be have had to substantially shorten the season thanks to current events. A handful of ballplayers and a well-known umpire succumbed to the disease, but despite all odds, the season is successfully completed with the Red Sox besting the Cubs in the World Series, four games to two. The A's, unfortunately, have a dismal season, finishing at the bottom of the American League. But don't start placing your bets. 
Because the year is 1918, and the disease is the Spanish flu. (laughs) The A's are still in Philadelphia, and the Spanish flu killed a third of the world's total population, including 375,000 Americans. Time, as they say, is a flat circle. If the past few months have shown us anything, it's that Americans are incapable of learning from their mistakes. Oh, God. It follows, then, that that America's game should be just as dense. (laughs) (laughs) After the 1918 season, no one bothered to amend the baseball rules to specifically state that, in the event of a plague, (laughs) a player should not contract that plague and subsequently spread it to the rest of the team. True, the 1918 teams seem to know that without having to be told. Uh, And photographs from the time show batters, catchers, and umps all wearing face masks at the plate. But I guess some rules wow. should actually be written down. Oh, God. And them's the rules. So, Rachel, tell us about uh-huh. how you're feeling about the current state of baseball in America. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, so the A's had a strong start against the Angels, uh, but then they struggled a little bit about the Rockies in a recent two-game series in Oakland. Um, Mike Trout and his wife had their first baby. Oh. Um, oh, and. All the Miami Marlins have the plague. (laughs) They sure do. Now, Florida is my home state, as we know. Uh, Nearly all of my family still lives there. I do my best to be a good representative for the state and show people that Florida is not all alligators and meth and dangerously (laughs) stupid people. But there's only so much that I, as an individual, can do. (laughs) So, as of right now, in the soggy garbage fire of Florida, 18 players and two staff members from the Marlins, so far, have tested positive for COVID-19. Despite presumably knowing that they shouldn't, they went out and about uh, in Atlanta, Um, though there's actually, since there's no contract tracing, we don't know that for sure. That's where they got it. Um, yeah, they're, they're all sick. Well, they're all, and so, but that, that caused a ripple effect, right? Because I mean, I don't follow baseball closely, but I follow it a little bit because of you. So I know that the mystics, nope, not the mystics. That's women's basketball. (laughs) The Marlins were scheduled (laughs) No, had just played the Phillies. And so the mm-hmm. Phillies series against maybe the Yankees was postponed mm-hmm. because everybody was afraid now that the whole Phillies team was going to get it. And then, mm-hmm. like, didn't, did, wasn't there some other ripple effect with other teams? Now you've stumbled upon a basic fact that seems to have eluded <laughs> the MLB infrastructure. That is that two teams play a baseball game. Wait, we know and then those two teams go out and play other teams in a baseball game. So, we so should... that if one or two teams come down with the plague, it starts to affect other teams. That's weird. And those other teams affect other teams. And then the whole schedule goes tits up. <laughs> Wait, okay, so on a serious note, but not that this is actually a laughing matter, but remind me about what their actual like return to play and safety protocols are right now. Are there any, are they Mm -hmm. traveling to Mm -hmm. other cities? 
Okay, so there's a 113-page document that outlines their extremely detailed uh, COVID-19 adaptations for the season. Um, so did, as far did as I can tell, read it. <laughs> uh, they uh, they may have skimmed, but I think that the key fact here is that none of those pages seems to cover what to ha- what will happen if anybody actually gets sick. Nice. They did not, nice. it seems, plan for this at all. And now they're scrambling around with their asses on fire, trying to figure out what to do next. So um, they've postponed a bunch of games, uh, both the Marlins and uh, also the Cardinals, because uh, at least two Cardinals have tested positive. Um, That's a separate incident, right? Yes. Because the Cardinals have not had anything to do with the Marlins. Yes, it turns out that when the entire country is infected with the plague... <laughs> multiple people in multiple places can get it. Now, Rachel, when did you get your degree in epidemiology? <laughs> <laughs> now, I only have an internet degree in epidemiology, <laughs> which means I've read some articles. Ah, uh, so no, but you no, I'm not an expert <laughs> here. But you but are I a human have done... with eyes and ears. Yes, okay, and I have. One or two critical thinking skills in the bank, I like to think. Um, A little reading comprehension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, based on my experience as a human being, uh, it it, it crossed my mind that this might happen. That some players might get sick and infect other players who then get sick. Uh, You know what? In fact, I think you've gone on record as saying as such on this very podcast. I did, I did, I did. And then less than one week into the season, it happened. So, Rachel, what I'm hearing you say uh-huh. is that the A's chances this year look real good, because so far there's no outbreak in the West. Not wood. As of right now, the last team standing, as in... The one with the fewest players sick right. is probably still in the championship, yes. So, <laughs> baseball still might not factor into this season a whole hell of a lot. As it should Honestly, be for any sports situation. Just the sports should yeah. matter as little as possible. Yeah. I mean, this is a pure Darwinian survival of the, of the fittest at this point. Whichever team has the most robust immune systems <laughs> you may know end we up winning. Got- Simeon and Loriano, and they seem like real strapping young men. So I feel good about this. They do, they do, but you know, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I. So okay, so yes, getting back to what you said, Rebecca, the Brewers, the Yankees, the Orioles, the Nationals, and the Blue Jays' schedules have all had to be altered because they were playing the Marlins, who. After testing positive, four players testing positive went ahead and played the Phillies in Philadelphia, <gasps> thus meaning that the Phillies right. had to be right. quarantined. I didn't know that right. piece. I didn't know they had yeah. positive tests yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, went yeah, on and yeah, played. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, Sunday morning. They by Sunday morning, they knew that four. Yeah, but the Phillies, I think the Phillies were involved, too, in the decision. I could be were mistaken they? on that. Okay. Yes. Why are they all they so weren't. stupid? I, 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 I have no answer for you on that. Uh, so because of that, 
both the Phillies and the Marlins have had to completely cancel their games for a week. The Marlins are talking about coming back on Tuesday or Wednesday. With who? I don't know. But again, one week? When, yeah. When, every, yeah. when yeah. all of yeah. the like, yeah. country yeah. and uh-huh. world's regulations are like two weeks at the least? Yep. 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 Do, do they? Uh, I think we've established <laughs> that they can't do basic math. Um, so then all these other games got, and then the Yankees couldn't come to Philadelphia to play their games. So yes, you're right. In fact, there was a ripple effect going out affecting, uh, all of the East Coast. And now with the Cardinals, it affected the, the Brewers too, and several other teams, uh, Blue Jays, I believe. So now they're having to schedule a bunch of double headers. Uh, which is two games in one day, and they're already playing with basically no off days. I think each team has like one per month right. in order to get 60 games in right. two months. Holy shit. And right. So this is part of the underlying problem here, right, is that they yeah, tried to schedule in as many games as possible mm-hmm. in such a short amount of time that there is zero flexibility nope. in the schedule at all. Nope. And so, I mean, so not only did they not do a bubble – I'm holding my fingers up as though you can see me. Um, not only did they not do a bubble, not only did they allow players to vote on whether to go ahead with a game. I don't know if it was the players that, that they, voted. I think it was like the managers and the, the staff that voted. N- oh, you no. heard it was the players? Yeah, it was okay. they they checked in with the players oh, okay. group and the, via group text the players decided <laughs> to go ahead. Because obviously this is a decision that should be left solely to the players. To a bunch of 20 somethings who th- who already right. think they're immortal and untouchable. Right. Right. To go ahead with the game uh knowing that they had already four positive tests. Um and and they so all of these things, but they included in the in the startup plan that they were going to do these sixty games in I think sixty seven days. Mm-hmm. So like you can't. There's no. So you have already for the Phillies and for the Marlins, there is literally no way they can do sixty games, even if nothing else goes wrong, which obviously is how this is going to proceed. Right? Yeah, like clearly yeah, we got we got the uh, iron the kinks out. Else. We're fine now. It's, right, <laughs> totally fine you're still not going to have an equal number of games played by the teams. And so you get into like, okay, how do you equitably decide who makes the finals and how the rest of the season goes, right? Do you say, okay, it's win percentage? Well, but if somebody's done 45 games versus another team that's done 60 games, like that's a pretty big difference, right? In an already shortened season. Well, now don't get ahead of yourself because they are doubling (laughs) up on the games. They're just going to play two games in one day. Right, Which, right, you know, right. if you're playing one game, you might as well play two games. And if you're playing, you know, seven games in a week, what's 14 games in a week? I mean, That's really. nothing. Right. Human body right. can and do that. Definitely not concerned about, like, injury after having been off for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, no, totally fine. None of this is. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, they are going to cut the double headers down from nine innings to seven. Right. So Four less innings. There you go. Yeah. Fourteen yeah. innings That'll instead help. of nine. Piece of cake. Yeah. Yeah. I see no problem with this. Yeah. Plan. This yeah. Should, should go, go fine. Go there will be no further problems from expected. here. 
And, uh, right. yeah, this plan of doubling up, you know, and I mean, there's enough hours in the day, right? Surely they can fit three games in if they need to. And the audiences will absolutely just watch, you uh-huh. know, 12 hours of baseball a day. I mean, what the hell else are we going to do, right? I mean, that that part is real. <laughs> because I can tell you that there, there are five hockey games on today and five tomorrow, and then six every day next week. And I guarantee you there are going to be people watching all, you know, 10 to 12 hours of hockey every day. See, I am not built for that. I am. I cannot do that. I have never. Like, I can. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I can't sit still that long. I go insane. We don't have to sit still. This is why I have a treadmill. How else do you watch? <laughs> I, I will walk oh, on my okay. treadmill as well, I. Okay, that that would that would probably actually help me. Because <laughs> yeah, I can't. No, no. I, like even trying to watch like you know a TV show or something, I nope out after like two three hours. I can't. Yeah, have you, tried- you have no binge watching stamina. <laughs> I really have don't. You tried, it's instead true. of sitting down and watching TV, have you tried laying down? Because that for me works. Yeah, aces. I fall asleep. <laughs> no, I fall asleep immediately. Okay. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just, I don't know how. It, to go back to the metaphor of the imaginary hat, I don't the know how. One? Yes. The mesh one for basketball, the imaginary one for baseball. <laughs> if you wear your imaginary hat out into the rain, you don't get to bitch when you get wet. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 We're here for you, Rachel. All right. So, uh, let's let's move on. Let's move on. And Rebecca, please please take us somewhere a little nicer, a little safer. You know what? Oh, you know what's Canada. you know what's really weird about that is that uh-huh. I can say that hockey is a safer place than baseball right now, which is not something. <laughs> yeah, that's why that I, I yeah. truly <laughs> ever thought that I would say. Um. So so far, the the NHL uh, will not release individual team numbers, but they have tested of positive tests. Yeah, of of tests or injuries. Oh, um, okay. So they have had zero positive tests since going to the bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, hmm. which is amazing. which is incredible. Must be nice. Yeah, yeah it's uh, truly. I mean, you know, I love the game of hockey. I don't think very highly of the National Hockey League as an organization. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they have structured this in a way that is keeping the players and the um, the team staff and the facility staff and the hotel staff from not getting sick is just it blowing my mind, uh, like making me speechless in a very pleased way. Um, the hockey has always been weird about um, announcing injuries and disclosing injuries. They talk about upper body They're injuries and lower body injuries. They're always afraid that somebody's going to get targeted, even though like if you, if you watch a game that precedes somebody getting their lower body injury, you can usually tell what their lower body injury is. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not surprising. Wait, targeted by whom? Other players. When they come oh. back. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, it's but that's that's what the it's weirdly parallel. Yeah, that's what the league says about why they um, why they encourage teams to say upper body injury, lower body injury, not disclose the actual injury itself. Um, huh. I mean, if somebody's out for half a season, they're going to tell you they had surgery on their knee or whatever. But if they're out a couple games, it's a UBI or an LBI, right? So I just feel like if I were a player, I would be so offended by that because it's just it's implying really shitty things about the players that like you would get together in your locker room and be like, hey, so-and-so fucked up his ankle. Let's dive at that during play. So what's interesting, I mean, I tend to agree with you because I like to think better of people than that. Um, Yeah, but it is a very bloodthirsty view of human nature. Well, but apparently that may be like part of the hockey culture, which is another issue entirely because when they were, when the NHL players association was working with the NHL to determine the return to play rules, one of the things they said was, we don't, we don't want anybody disclosing who gets COVID if they get it. So now the league, no team is announcing when a player or why a player isn't playing. They are deemed unfit to play. And the league is announcing mm-hmm. COVID numbers. Um, but we're not even getting upper body injury or lower body injury now. We're getting unfit to play so that you don't right. know whether it's a specific body injury or an illness. Now, again, that okay. paired, paired with the fact that right now the NHL is saying zero positive tests. That's That's great. But this whole, like, secrecy around injury is a little bit bananas to me. But zero positive tests. And so the games kicked off today. Is it today or yesterday? Yes. So the games kicked off today. So there were a few games earlier this week that were called exhibition games. They were basically scrimmages. They they did not matter. Um, But if you look at the game's... At the, at the opponents who were stacked up against each other. It was basically the biggest rivalries in the NHL. It was basically the NHL mm-hmm. trying to grab on to everybody's emotions right from the start to get them paying attention to the league and the games so that we can go right into play, in playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. um, which, was, which was probably a good strategy. Um, but the actual... Real games started today. So there are 24 teams in Toronto and Edmonton, 12 in each place. The games that started today were the qualifying um, rounds. So there are eight teams in the East and eight teams in the West that have to do these qualifiers. And they're best of five series. And these are basically play-in games to get into the playoffs. So this isn't the first round of the playoffs. This is... This is, right. you know, we we condensed it from 31 teams to 24, and now we have to get from 24 to 16. So it's right. playoff hockey, but it's not actually part of the playoffs. Yeah. So I feel like I saw this somewhere, and it surprised me, so I want to confirm whether this is true with you or not. But my understanding is that so the formats of this for the NHL and for the NBA are very similar in that they're they're doing the 2014 thing and then they're doing play, I think NBA is 22 teams but and then there's the qualifiers and then you have the quote unquote postseason whatever but 
in the NBA, they're functionally playing out the end of the 2019-2020 season, and then that counts. But hockey, it doesn't, right? They're ignoring the season so far and just, like, starting fresh with these qualifiers. Yeah, so, that- I mean, there were – if we shut down on, what, March 11th for hockey, there were two weeks of the season left. Yeah. Maybe two and a half weeks yeah, depending okay. on the team. Um, so they they basically kicked out the bottom seven teams. Six. Um, Yay, Sharks! Yes. We, all of California. <laughs> you guys are on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're not they're not really trying to like finish the regular season. This is basically trying mm-hmm. to um, get the people who had a you know a the, the smallest chance of getting into the playoffs to, to do these play-in games to get to the playoffs. But it, to my knowledge, it does not like mirror in any way the end of the regular season. Right. I guess that's, yeah. that's what I'm asking is mm-hmm. it's like, it's basically just throwing out the records. So, you know, it, they used the records yes. of the season at that point to determine who got to go, but then they're, basically throwing it out. Yeah. And they may have used it to figure out who plays who. Um, Mm. Yeah. That would make sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They did. They did the, um, so the, it's the top four teams basically on the East automatically get in the four teams on the West. And then the, um, the qualifying round are the, Five and twelve teams, the six and eleven, seven and ten, eight and nine. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, and then after that, so so that's going on on one side. Those are the the best of five games. At the Mm -hmm. same time, uh, the top four teams who have made it are doing um, round robin games. So they're not elimination games, but they're for um, for seeding. For so once oh, the round okay. robin and once the qualifying games are over, they're going to be able to seed for the playoffs, and then we'll actually go from there to get to the playoffs to do to play the playoffs. Okay, yeah. So when are they like? How long is this all predicted to take? Like when are they anticipating this wrapping up? Like November? Uh, no, October. They want October. okay. Um, it's a lot of hockey between now and then. Yeah. Well, there's something like 50 games this week. It's insane. insane. So, I mean, it's because they can they can play three games a day in each arena, right? If they start at noon yeah, in each okay. arena, they can play at 12, yeah. 4, and 8. And then because there's a time difference, right. there's, there's still a little bit of offset, right? Um, yep. So the first round of the actual playoffs is supposed to start on August 11th. And then October 4th is the last possible date for the Stanley Cup to be awarded um, because they are trying to start the 2020-2021 season on December 1st. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So whoever goes to the Stanley Cup is going to have, what is that, 10 weeks between the Stanley Cup and the next season. Nice. Nice, nice. I mean, they, they have to wow. have a pause because they have to get free agency in there. They have to do the draft. Like, yep. there's still so much yep. um, stuff that they have to do that doesn't involve actually playing hockey. And the yep. December, so that starting season would presumably not be in any kind of bubble. It would be... Uh, that's up for quote grabs. Quote, unquote, normal. That's up for grabs. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
And in some bizarro world, amazing turn of events, all <laughs> four of my teams have qualified, so none of them have to play in these qualifying rounds. So the, That's I amazing. know. Wow. So they are all in the round robin phase. So I don't. So I don't actually have to stress about the playoffs for another ten days. Right. Wow. So do you think that's an advantage for them or a disadvantage having these, I guess, slightly less competitive round robin games? So and they're going to be playing teams that have gone back into kind of the regular. Yeah. No, it's tooth a good and question. nail. So I yeah. mean, I'm sure. Given how the exhibition games went last week, most of them were actually seem to be playing pretty hard. Like they're mm-hmm. really, really going for it. Um, and uh, you know, the, the qualifier, excuse me, the round Robin is part of ter- determining the seeding. So it is part of determining who they play in the first round of the playoffs. So I think they're yeah. still going to play hard. Um, I, I honestly, I can't decide if it's going to be a positive or negative that they're playing significantly fewer games than other folk, than other teams. Um, mm-hmm. because on the one hand they'll be well rested, but on the other hand, right. the other ones will be more well practiced. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's hard to say. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you need to get in touch with me in the next week, just do it before noon Eastern. Cause otherwise just hockey. <laughs> we'll have them we'll have them put a message on Thank the jumbotron <laughs> that works paging rebecca <laughs> check your twitter DMs. so the thing i've been curious about with all these sports uh, are they pumping in crowd noise yes yes they are into the actual auditorium or just for the tv broadcast do you know um i believe they're doing it in the auditorium in the uh, arena so a uh-huh. couple of individual teams have reached out, like their social media teams have reached out to their fan base to say, hey, record 30 seconds of you screaming for the team or, you know, shouting, go Rangers, go or whatever it is. Um, so some of them have actually gotten video and audio footage of their fans now rooting for them. Um, I don't know oh, this wow. for sure. My guess is that's going to be one of the pieces of home quote unquote home ice advantage because oh. even in this when they're playing Man. in Toronto and Edmonton there's still a home team and an away team. Huh. Um so usually the home team controls the jumbotron and the audio and stuff like that. So I'm guessing that that's going to be a big chunk of home team benefits. Cuz I don't know, really I don't know what else to get from being yeah. the home team and a non you know, in a weird, different city. Um, the Capitals actually sent out a thing. So the Capitals have a, uh, a video montage that ends with a cheer, um, that we call unleash the fury. And it's, it's from a bunch of movie montages and stuff like this. So the Capitals actually sent out a thing listing the, um, the like 10 or 15 lines in that video montage they usually play. And they want people to record themselves reenacting those specific lines and then ending with the cheer of (laughs) unleash the fury, which sounds a little bit silly, but I also think it's, it's really, it's probably a really good idea because it gives people a targeted, very specific thing to record rather than just scream for 30 seconds. 
Because, like, <laughs> scream, cheer, yeah. clap for 30 seconds. 30 seconds is a really long time to just go, ah! you know? <laughs> but, but they're going to make montages of that particular cheer out of these videos from fans. Um, yeah, so that's I think, a good idea. Yeah, so, so, I mean, to me, that's a fun way of getting the fans involved. But I think it's probably also a way of getting the the teams to feel like they're still being supported by their, by their fans. But yes, they are canning in audience noises. Nancy? Because you were talking about the Capitals, I have a question. Uh-oh. And it's going to sound like a bullshit question, but it's a real question. Okay. The Washington Capitals mm-hmm. are based in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why are they spelled with an A? Like capital letter rather than... The, rather yeah. than capital building. I, I can't answer that question. Well, the, but the capital, the capital city of a state is an AL. I guess right? that's true. So I don't think so. Hold on, let me I look it up. It is. Oh no, this is you're also right. A, yeah, yeah. So so capital I think it's probably city, after the capital city, building. and it's not after the building. Yeah. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just been bugging me. Like, so I just, I moved recently and now I live on a street that's spelled with an O, Capitol. And so now I'm hyper aware of it. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those things that like people mess up all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like looking at their logo and I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) And then I thought maybe I was wrong. I was like, maybe they're just in like Washington state. But then I was like, but no, Rebecca, they're Rebecca's home team. Mm -hmm. Now, now you've unwittingly given me a segue to the big news that happened within the last couple of weeks. You're welcome. Thank you. I really appreciate it because I had forgotten that I was going to mention this. So happy um, to oblige. So the 32nd uh, team franchise has finally announced their name. This is a team that's going to be yes. based in Seattle. Oh, yes. And they are going to be the Kraken, which I'm so into it. I, honestly, Pretty I am awesome. too. And you yeah. know what? Frankly, it's a little bit shocking because there were a couple of campaigns where the NHL um, and the city of Seattle were soliciting for name ideas. The overwhelming mm-hmm. fan favorite was the Kraken. So naturally, every yeah. NHL fan thought, well, they're never going to pick this because it's too <laughs> fun. Right. And they actually yeah. did. And honestly, their logo is kind of awesome. Their it's merch amazing. is kind of awesome. Yeah, I know. It's terrific. I it's all not, terrific. I do not support the individual who immediately went out and got a Seattle Kraken tattoo. You know, and that's too just soon. And I say this as somebody who has a hockey tattoo. Yeah, that's valid. the team doesn't even exist yet. What are you doing? Yeah, you don't even know who's on it. Exactly. Like, on. Yeah. What if they yeah. get Brad Marchand? Yeah. Then you just have to cut your leg off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even apologizing for that one for that one to Boston. No, don't. No, I don't. laughed like I knew who that was. <laughs> uh, you do know who he is. He's the guy who licks people during gameplay. Um, excuse me I would have remembered that if I knew it mm-hmm. he licks people mm-hmm. during the games he's done it at least twice I remember this mm-hmm. that's disgusting mm-hmm. did he not how does he not have like the plague yet fixation phase aging Dr. Freud wow Anyway, let's. Okay. Like, we do not need to linger on Brad Marchand that is not this is not a <laughs> Brad Marchand re- podcast 
So we may have to return things, to that later, but the two things I'm real happy about with the Kraken is first of all, it gives me a good second backup team. Like I know mm-hmm. they're still going to be in the same division or whatever as the Sharks, which is a bummer, but but I was, you know, I've been kind of half-heartedly like wanting a backup team, and now I'm like the fucking Kraken. I'm on board, right? I already support the <laughs> Seattle Storm. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the other thing that I really, really liked is that it fits with the theme of the Seattle teams because I like a town that has a good theme mm-hmm. for their sports teams, right? So you have the <laughs> Seattle Mariners, you have the Seattle Storm, you have the Seattle Kraken, and like the Seattle Seahawks, mm-hmm. even like. Yeah, so it was like, yeah, this this really works. It's one of the things that disappoints me about the Houston Dash, because you have, like, the Astros and the Rockets, because you have the Space Center there, right? Why is it the fucking Dash? They should be, like, the Comets or well, something, maybe right? dashing to the moon. No. No. Yeah, no. That's a stretch. That's not real. So I, I was... I was I was on board because Krakens are cool, but I'm super on board because it like it just really ties the yeah. town together. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I Okay, guess the well is that doesn't uh, really have one. The Warriors and the Athletics and the Sharks and the Earthquakes are not. They don't but but I guess they is like at least none of them go together. It's not like you've got like two <laughs> out of three or something, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, is that the uh, the state of hockey at the moment? That's the state of hockey play, yes. Okay. All right, so let's turn it over to basketball and take a look at the uh, two biggest professional leagues. Uh, Nancy, have you got updates for us on the NBA and WNBA? I do. So one of the fun things that has uh, happened with having watched a lot of women's sports is that, uh, particularly without the Warriors and the NBA bubble, I kind of don't care about them. Uh, <laughs> just way more interested in watching women's sports now. Um, and, you know, and I, I would still be interested in the Warriors, but the Warriors are not there. So, like, who cares? <laughs> um, so, overall, it's going pretty well. Uh, they also have had zero positive tests for, for the moment. They have had a few folks who have left the bubble um, for various personal and or family reasons. Or to go to a strip club. Was Right, exactly. The most notable was a guy who left to go to the funeral of a family friend and then stopped off to uh, dine in his favorite restaurant, which just so happens to be a strip club. In his defense, I did hear the that wings their are really food good. really is good, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't particularly care how good the wings are. Like, you know, you don't go to any restaurant no, right now you go when there's a pandemic on. And, and say, I would like to right. take out some wings. But then yeah. you miss the ambiance exactly. of the strip club. Uh, yeah. Well, then you can yeah. consult literally all of the internet if you're missing. It's just that this <laughs> isn't an in-person experience, I'm told, you know. So, uh, yeah. In any case, so... That guy uh, ended up having to self-quarantine after he returned for a little longer than planned. Um, they've had a few other people come and go, um, but and they're doing... I think they could be doing longer quarantines. I think they, a few of them have been like four-day quarantines, which is like, why bother at that point, honestly? Yeah. Uh, but they made this guy do a 10-day quarantine, which is like, you know, most of what's recommended. But you know so, what? Okay. That, honestly, it feels more punitive than health-related. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a way of suspending him from games without calling it a suspension. I think that's probably true. Uh, They made an example of him. I'm fine with that. Honestly, I think he earned it. The um, question, do you think that if he had yes. just gone to the funeral, they would have, quote unquote, suspended him or quarantined him as long? No, because he had permission to do that. He That was specifically the thing. And they had, you know, so they he got very prior approval for that. He got prior approval to go to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, his yeah, permission yeah. slip did not mention the strip club. Right. Exactly. And so there was a lot of debate about like, well, okay, but what's the difference between going to a restaurant and going to a funeral? You know, and the answer is one of them is planned and you can keep your distance and the other one is presumably not, particularly when it's a strip club. Um, so, because there was de- there were definitely people saying, like, he was out, he was already socializing with other folks, like, what difference does it make? Um, but I think the answer is twofold. The first being that, like, one is an event for which one might make exceptions, you know, Mm -hmm. like a funeral, a funeral, a child's birth, these things seem like reasonable risk assessment Mm -hmm. exceptions, right? Yeah. And you would assume and or hope that everybody there would be taking precautions. um, And also just the sheer, yeah, the sheer number of times you know, you're at least doubling your risk. Exactly. Every time you add a new stop on your destination. Exactly. Yeah. So I just, I I hear you. I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I just Mm -hmm. wonder how much of this, you know, punishment, reaction, whatever, is because of how we culturally and socially view strip clubs and, you know, sex work and adjacent, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that question will be answered if somebody else goes to a regular restaurant. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how is that handled? And it hasn't happened yet, as far as I know. So I don't think we have an an answer for that yet. Um, On the other hand, if your restaurant doesn't offer lap dances, I think it might be considered a little safer. Well, but do you... Listen, can you transmit coronavirus via your downtown area because like if you're doing a lap dance with your back to the person and they're still breathing wearing masks well but they still you're still within six feet (laughs) yeah but they're in the six feet wearing a mask not breathing on each other i don't know i'm just i'm just i think we're making a lot of assumptions yeah (laughs) Just putting it out there. I hear what you're saying, Rebecca. I definitely hear what you're <laughs> saying about the stigmatization of of sex work in general and and strippers and strip culture also. I, and I think it's an entirely valid point. I I do think that there's a little bit more risk between somebody who is sitting on your lap, even with their back to you, and and your own heavy breathing. One assumes, given given the circumstance. <laughs> versus a waiter who comes and stands a couple feet from your table and maybe sets something down. Like, there does feel like there's a difference mm-hmm. there to me um, in both duration and closeness of contact. Master, you know, even if you are all still wearing masks. Sure, so. sure. But, I mean, presumably, if you're at a funeral, I mean, going to a funeral is hard, generally. And then going to a funeral mm-hmm. and, like, not hugging your family has got to be uh, harder. Yeah. So, right. How right. much, how much do you socially distance at a funeral that you're actually going to during this time? Anyway. Right. And that I, I don't know either. 
you know, it's but I think that gets there. to the the planned nature of it. You know, I think that they had given him very specific requirements. You know, they said you are going to this funeral. Here is how you have to handle it. Right. And then he went mm-hmm. off script, which I think is the the biggest issue for right. them. I think I I genuinely think for them it matters less that it was a strip club and more that he. That it was an extracurricular. That he lied about it. They're just, they're not mad. They're just disappointed. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's, I think that's, you know, so, and maybe I'm being overly generous with regard to how the NBA handles these things in thinking that. But, but I think that I, I agree that probably the 10 days was at least somewhat punitive, but I think it was less about it being less about the actual event and more that he took advantage of. The allowance. Being mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fair. The hard That's hitting sports analysis you come here for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, baseless speculation mm-hmm. based on how I feel about <laughs> all sports of analysis, yeah. socialism, and strippers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Feelings. Lots of feelings. Um. So the games have been pretty good overall. I mean, I am not following them. I have not watched any of them. This is all me checking Twitter and reading articles. Um, because like I said, I you know, if I'm going to be watching any basketball right now, it's the WNBA. Um, so, so you're not on the lookout for a, a backup NBA team? Many... Huh? Sorry, I just totally ran you over there. Um, you're not on the lookout for a backup NBA team? <sighs> Really? I mean, the Utah Jazz are kind of my backup NBA team, but they don't really have any players I'm super excited about right now. Um, and the the Blazers, the Trailblazers, are kind of also a backup team, but eh, I'm just not... I, I might tune in and watch some, some Trailblazers games, because I do like Damian Lillard, uh, the Oakland native, who's quite good. Um, if, if they okay. keep going, I'm, I might. But, but yeah, I'm focusing my attention on the storm right now. Fair enough. Um, the things that are going on in the NBA uh, that I do think are really cool is that uh, players have quite a few of the players have been using their media availability to talk about Black Lives Matter and uh, Breonna Taylor in particular, um, which is cool. Um, they are all kneeling for the first time. The NBA historically has not knelt uh, during the national anthem, has not taken a knee, but they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all wearing uh, practice t-shirts and practice jerseys um, that have social justice uh, slogans on them and that say Black Lives Matter. Um, and a thing that I hadn't heard that I thought was really cool is that apparently Kyrie Irving, who is not in the bubble because he's still recovering from shoulder surgery, has partnered with two WNBA players, Natasha Cloud and Jewel Lloyd, to start an initiative uh, to pay the WNBA players who are sitting out either for uh, illness or injury reasons or to take on social justice issues, of which there are several, including Natasha Cloud and also Renee Montgomery. Um, So I thought that was really cool. Kyrie Irving has been really hitting the social justice buttons real hard on all of this. Um, So I loved that that he was taking up that cause as well. I thought Mm -hmm. that was super cool. That's Um, awesome. So that's, yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, So that's the NBA. So can I, Um, can I say one other thing that I think the, the men's NBA has been doing well 
is raising up the WNBA. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have mm-hmm. been wearing the um, the yes. orange hoodie, the WNBA orange hoodie, which is right. now the right. highest yes. selling item on fanatics.com, which is awesome. Also, I bought yep. one, so yeah. I'll let you know how that is when I get it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yes. Nice. So, so that actually segues really well because that was the thing I had written down to talk about. Actually, um, you're welcome. The so one of the historic. Thank you for that. We are just trading it back and forth today. Yes. I really like it. Um, one of the historic differences between the men's NBA and the women's NBA um, compared to other sports that have you know a men's team and a women's team like soccer, like hockey is that the uh, men's basketball association is quite supportive and the players as well are quite supportive of their female counterparts. And so on the opening day of the WNBA, many, many, many of the NBA players not only uh, recorded commercials of themselves, um, uh, stumping for the WNBA, but they posted widely to social media wearing the orange WNBA hoodie, um, as well as a WNBA shirt that says the power of women. Um, and they, it was one of those where visibility really yes. makes a difference. Yes. Right? So tons of people who would never have otherwise known about this hoodie suddenly not only saw it, but thought it was cool. And it sold out in a hot minute from from almost all of the sizes in uh, on the Nike store, on the WNBA store, and on the Fanatics website. Um, it's a very cool hoodie. I also bought one. I think I bought a size like 3XL because that was what they had. Um, <laughs> but it's cool. It'll be big. Um, so that was super neat. And that's really... Uh, you know, this has been true for years. This is not a new phenomena that the NBA supports the WNBA, but I feel like it's ramping up, and I really like that. I think that's really tremendously important. Yeah. And I feel like part of the reason that it's ramping up is that all of these male black basketball players are really taking notice of how in the lead the female basketball players have been on social justice issues. Um so the WNBA, a few of the things that they are doing on this this line, um, they uh, are walking off the courts for the national anthem. They are none of them staying for it. Uh, they are having 26 seconds of silence. They are turning their backs for that. They all have uh, Breonna Taylor's name on the backs of their uh, jerseys. They uh, wear uh, Black Lives Matter uh, shirts. All the coaching staff wear Black Lives and say her name shirts um, as well. And they, there are a couple of them, uh, Natasha Cloud and Renee Montgomery that I know of for sure. I think there may be others who have opted to sit out their season to dedicate it to social justice initiatives. So Maya Moore, who is a two-time champion uh, took the last two years, 2019 and 2020, mm-hmm. the 2018-2019 and 2019-2020 seasons, off to advocate for, uh, I believe his name is Jonathan Irons, who was wrongfully imprisoned for the last couple decades. Yeah. And just in June, 
he successfully overturned his conviction and got out. Yeah, that was and incredible. Yeah, yeah, if you want to have a nice therapeutic crying jag, watch the footage of her welcoming him when he walks out of prison, because that's intense. Um, so she's really tr- blazed that trail, and several other people are following it. Uh, the S- Chicago Sky, which is one of my WNBA teams, so they're there, my WNBA backup team, the Chicago <laughs> Sky, uh, are doing uh, hashtag Sky Takes Action, where the players are donating money for every basket that they score, and then if they win, the team donates a sum of money. Uh, all of these to like black youth initiatives in Chicago, these sorts of things. They are encouraging their fans to do the same. Um, and the WNBA, I guess, met with Brianna Taylor's mom and had a whole conference w- with her where she, you know, really talked to them about what they're doing and how important it is and how important it would have been to Brianna Taylor. And yeah, it's tremendous. Um, so that's a lot. Um, and I feel like that's been a huge part of what the, the men's NBA is responding to. And I think it's really terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so hats off to the WNBA. They continue to be inspirational leaders. Um, yeah, just across the board. Yeah. Uh, the mystics, you'll be happy to hear, uh, Rebecca are currently undefeated. <laughs> continuing <laughs> they, to they kick literally ass. just lost to the Chicago sky about oh, 20 minutes oh. ago. So now the mystics oh, and I'm Chicago, sorry. that's fine. They're both, uh, they're tied at the head of the Down for one. three, one. Yeah. 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 The Chicago sky is kicking ass and taking names, which I'm real happy about. The Seattle storm is still terrific. And Sue bird is still amazing. And I still stand. Um, there's a new rookie, Sabrina Ionescu, who everybody was buzzing about. Um, I caught the opener where the she's on the Liberty. The Liberty were playing the Seattle Storm. She wasn't that impressive. I guess then the next game she was amazing, but then she's also apparently now sprained her ankle. So that's oh. I feel bad for her. Um, and I found out a thing that made me real, real happy that I hadn't known, which is that on the Chicago Sky... There's a married couple. It's so <laughs> cute. They're like, yes. They're adorable. Um, and the photos of them, like, in their little Chicago Sky uniforms, holding hands and stuff. It's, it's so just, cute. like, the cutest <laughs> fucking thing. Oh, my goodness. So I'm super into that as well. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't caught too many games yet because I will say the one advantage of the National Women's Soccer League was that, like, it was very predictable schedule wise mm-hmm. and like in the timing um, and the days of the week and the WNBA is a lot more all over the place. So I keep having to like look up when shit is. Well, and women's soccer was what an hour time difference from you. Yes. And, yes. and, and, and women's basketball, basketball is three was hours on difference. East Coast time. Yeah. 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 Actually yeah. that's, so that's, that's why also- I've been able to watch, uh, um, a couple of the Mystics <laughs> games because they started a reasonable hour for me. Right. Right. Whereas for me, it's like, well, I just started my afternoon at work now. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to catch more. They're going to be playing for a while. So that'll be great. More, more Seattle storm. I love them. Although I have found myself now in the position. I think I complained about this last time, but I'm going to complain about it again. 
do but it. Yay! <laughs> standing for two teams that are the yellow and green color combination, and they both have not picked particularly good yellows or particularly good mm-hmm. greens. It's just kind of a disappointment, <laughs> you know? Like, eh. eh. Sorry. Oh, well. I know. It's okay. It's okay. So how long is the WNBA season? 22 I think it's games? also... Yeah, it's 22 games and then the playoffs. Uh, okay. I mean, this the season. Yes. yes. I, yeah. 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 This weird yeah, season. Normally it's 36. This season is 22. Um, and and then, yeah, the playoffs. So I think they're anticipated to go, I want to say, through the end of October um, or near the end of October. Um, and then the NBA, I think, is going like two weeks longer, maybe, because um, they started about two weeks later. I think they're going about two weeks longer. Um, so we'll see. And then I think that the NBA is targeting starting the quote unquote 2020, 2021 season around Christmas, which would give them like, yeah, like seven, eight weeks off maybe. So that'd be cool. We'll see how that does. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for bringing us up to date on basketball. Um, so, do we have any other, uh, anything else we want to bring up this week? I do want to say one thing about diversity in hockey, which is not a phrase that I say often. Um, <laughs> today, Saturday, August 1st, um, in the opener of the um, West Coast qualifiers, Matt Dumba, who plays for the Minnesota Wild, and is a member of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. He gave a speech pre-game before they did the anthems. It was a beautiful speech. I tweeted it from our um, Twitter account. It was the first time I've ever seen anyone in the NHL on a national stage with that kind of um, audience say the words systemic racism and, hey, you know, yeah, and Black wow. Lives Matter and... Brianna Taylor's life matters. Um, he was not playing in the game. Uh, it was the, ironically, the Blackhawks, which is another issue, <laughs> darling, and the Oilers. Um, but he came out, he gave this speech. They started to play the U.S. national anthem. He took a knee, and um, a black player from each team, Darnell Nurse from the Oilers and Malcolm Subban from the Hawks came and stood side by side and put their arms on his shoulders. And so he is now the first hockey player, the first men's hockey player um, to ever kneel during the national anthem. It was pretty powerful. So, I mean, the NHL still so has a, a really friggin' long way to go, but that was kind of amazing. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Rebecca, because I, I saw that being tweeted about, um, and and I my first my first emotional response was fucking finally like all right cool the NHL is finally doing this, but then I saw somebody else responding and saying having you know a player kneel with two POC players stand in support of him and a line of white men standing behind them <laughs> is not actually a good look. So I'm curious no, like, no, where you fall on that. It's actually quite indicative of the problems that the NHL has. Right. That right. That there are um, you know 31 teams, so maybe 35 people of men of color right. in the league. Um, and 
they are the ones who are asked to speak out. They are the ones who are asked, asked mm-hmm. by the media, are you going to kneel during the anthem? And the expectation is once again on people of color to step up and say something rather than mm-hmm. the white people surrounding them to say something. So right. mm-hmm. I, I think it was a great step for mm-hmm. the NHL. I think it was um, great publicity for the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Um, mm-hmm. I want to send Matt Dumba like a thousand hugs because that could <laughs> not have been easy. Uh, but yeah. the NHL still has a really long way to go. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Okay. Well, um, we'll start wrapping up about now. Um, Rebecca, would you like to tell our listeners where they can find us? Yes, I would love to tell our listeners where they can find us. And that would be on Instagram at Foul Pup Podcast, on Twitter at Foul Pup Pod, Facebook.com slash Foul Pup Pod, and at Foul Pup Podcast.net. Okay, and I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing and uh, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. Yeah, I would like to double thank Joe for doing our, our editing because. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, first of all, when we started this podcast, Rachel and Nancy used to be able to record from the same place. So there were only two audio feeds that we had to marry together. Now, because we were all forced to do this separately, there are three audio feeds to bring together, plus sometimes the Zoom recording because we have yet to record during the pandemic without technical difficulties. So (laughs) thank you, Joe. Yes. (laughs) Here, here. All right. Well, we'll see if I have a sport to talk about next time we record. Who knows? <laughs> well, I gotta say, Rachel, it's not like not having official things to talk about has ever stopped us yet. So very, very I think true. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Agreed. Well, uh, for Felpuck, I have been Rachel. I continue to be Nancy, and I've been Rebecca. We'll see you next time. <laughs>